You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Fell head coaches. You guys want to go through the list? This will be fun. This will be a good exercise. I swear to you, this will be fun. I've got a question for you after this. Okay. These are the 10 people. Bill O'Brien is one of those individuals. Brian Flores. I think Brian Flores is a good coach. Nick Saban. Now, Nick Saban. Phenomenal college coach. Maybe the best college coach ever. He was a defensive coordinator under Belichick back when he was in Cleveland. That NFL thing didn't work. Al Groh. Brian Dable. We'll see. Eric Mangini. Romeo Cornell. Josh McDaniels. Matt Patricia. Joe Judge. That's not a good coaching tree. How are you the best? And that's your coaching tree. Because I look at Andy Reid's coaching tree, seems pretty strong to me. I look at Sean McVay's coaching tree. Mike McDaniel doing a really good job, right? Zach Taylor in Cincinnati doing a really good job. How can you be the best if you don't have the ability to bring some guys from underneath you? How? Joe Judge, you didn't give him any of the tools that he needed to go on and have success and be his own head coach in the league? Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, you didn't give any of them the tools that they needed that when they were apart from you, they could go on and have success and they could build something similar to what you've built. I mean, that's what Andy Reid has done. Andy Reid, if you have coached under Andy Reid, He has put you in a position where you could go out and you could have success and you could be the boss of your own organization. That's not what we think that Bill Belichick has done. I'm looking at Reed's coaching tree. John Harbaugh won a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Sean McDermott, a very strong coach with the Buffalo Bills. Ron Rivera, been to a Super Bowl before. He's put you in positions where you can have success. How can you be the best? Quentin, if you're not teaching others and you're not raising others up under your wing. What's crazy about it is not only do none of these guys that sort of leave to go develop their own team and do the quote-unquote Patriot way at other organizations, is that they continued to fail over decades, right? I mean, this isn't like, you know, what we saw with the Eagles last year where they won a Super Bowl and both the coordinators left. This is This has happened for decades, And some guys even got multiple chances and they've still continued to fail. I don't understand how you could, you're right. You know, you're the best at it, but apparently you can't teach other people or help other people receive that. And maybe that's because Bill Belichick is sort of that. This is my team. I'm going to run it the way I see fit type deals. Whereas Andy Reid does delegate stuff out too. And so other guys sort of pick up things on their own. But yeah, absolutely right. It's it's crazy the lack of success from the from the Bill Belichick tree. You said you had a question. I'm a little bit leery because I don't know what you're gonna say. I know, here. I know. So I th- I feel like Mahomes here, 
Now, I don't know which one of the receivers you are, but I'm going to throw it to you here. <laughs> okay. I, I, and I'll determine. You got a lot of Noah Gray energy. You know, I got my Travis Kelsey. I got my number one tight end. Shout out to my guy, Rob. Rob's not here. Next man up. Now, I've given you Noah Gray. I could have gave you Clyde Everett to lay. could have. I could have well, gave you Richie James. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you Noah Gray here. I don't know what this question is going to be. I have no clue. I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah. I trust you're going to catch it and make a play. There have been 18 head coaches in the since Andy Reid got here and through the other teams. The Broncos have had seven. The Raiders have had seven. And the Chargers have now had three, four when they announce who their interim head coach is going to be. Have the Broncos or Raiders had a better coaching tree since Andy Reid got here than what Bill Belichick has sent off to do on their own? So we're talking the, the likes of Gary Kubiak, John Fox, Vic Fangio. Yeah, the Broncos have had a better coaching tree than the Patriots for sure. And then, I mean, and we're also counting, we're also counting Sean Payton. Sean Payton, one of those yeah, people. Yeah. yeah. No, Sean Payton is a better coach than any of the people that Bill Belichick has had. So, yeah, the Broncos have had a better coaching tree. I don't know about the Raiders. The man. Raiders? Okay, so here's just a couple. So <laughs> I don't know about the Raiders. <laughs> they that had, Raiders coaching tree and, is bad. And to that, they had Dennis Allen, right? Then they went to Jack Del Rio, John Gruden, Rich Basaccia, Josh McDaniels, and now Antonio Pierce. So is that a better coaching staff than what, than what Bill Belichick has sent out? I'm not going to call you Rasheed Rice, but that was a strong, that was a strong rookie ride receiver question that you threw out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a, that was a strong play. Noah Gray, you got one catch for 19 yards. Now you, you didn't score. One catch for 19 yards. We'll see over the course of the day how many targets you get. Right now you got one target for 19 yards. You're I'll great. take it. We're great. I don't know here. We still got a lot of time between now and six o'clock. I don't know how many other targets you're going to get today, but you made the most out of your one target. I'm happy. I'm ple- I'm, I'm very, very pleased with, with your contribution to the show. You know, I might give you another target here. I remember a few weeks ago, they asked Jarek McKinnon about his role in the offense. And you guys have been telling me all season that they are saving Jarek McKinnon for the playoff push. That's what you guys have been telling me. You guys have told me that it didn't matter what Jarek McKinnon did early on in the season, that once we got to the games that really, really mattered was when they were going to unlock and they were going to unleash Jarek McKinnon. Okay, that's fine. I'm with you. That makes sense to me. Now's the time, right? This is the time. Because last year, on the 11th of December, Jarek McKinnon got nine targets. He had seven catches for 112 yards and two touchdowns. On the 18th of December last year, he had eight catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. He then kept scoring touchdowns. Jarek McKinnon scored a touchdown in six consecutive games last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. If we have been operating with the belief that Jarek McKinnon was going to be saved for the stretch run. It's go time, right? They have a month left in the season and they have five games until we get to the postseason, and it's real do or die. The chiefs still have a realistic path to being the one seed in the AFC playoffs. I don't think that they are the favorite anymore to be the one seed, but if you went out with a very reasonable schedule down the stretch, 
The Ravens lose a couple of games. The Dolphins falter down the stretch with two teams that have very difficult schedules down the stretch of this thing. Kansas City could be the one seed, get the rest that they need, and only need to win one playoff game to, again, host the AFC championship game. That needs to be the goal here. So it's go time for Jarek McKinnon. I don't want to hear this, oh, well, I know what I said, but they're really saving him until week 20. Nah, man. It's go time. It's Christmas time. We got two weekends until Christmas. No. If they have been saving Jarek McKinnon, they're saving Jarek McKinnon for right now, and he needs to start being a greater part of their offense and then throwing it to him. Because if you want to talk about who could be their number two wide receiver, the best possible option might be Jarek McKinnon. I think that with Pacheco being out, everything that you just said about McKinnon gets amplified, right? Because we know that one of the reasons why it took Pacheco to get a while going in this offense was his pass pro, right? We saw the flashes early on when Clyde was still the number one back and he's coming in, but really it was the pass protection. McKinnon is great at that. That's sort of his niche before he took off in the passing game. Then you've got that second part, the passing game, where last year Patrick Mahomes was throwing the ball to him. He had what? eight or nine straight games with a touchdown and set a a record here. So yes, McKinnon has to get going now. I think part of the struggles in the red zone that Kansas city has could be assisted by involving Jarek McKinnon in the passing game down in the red zone. It has to start now. And if it doesn't start now, I don't know when it gets started. I mean, the final five weeks of the season last year, Jarek McKinnon had 25 catches for 265 yards and seven touchdowns. Like, we talk a whole lot about, well, they replaced Juju Smith-Schuster with Rasheed Rice. All right, that's fine. They haven't replaced the production they got last year from Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon was a really, really critical part of this offense and how this team scored a lot last season with what he was in the second half of the season. They don't have that same pass catcher this year that they had last year. Like, if you're going through the list, Kelsey obviously was their number one. Juju Smith-Schuster was their number uh, one wide receiver. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, we know that he's going to be way off on receiving yards. He had 687 last year, so almost 700 yards. You got 500 yards receiving from Jarek McKinnon last year. That's a big boost from your backup running back to be such a part of the passing attack. If this offense is going to get on track the final month of the season, I think Jarek McKinnon is going to have to be a part of everything that they do. Coming up on the other side, we'll be joined by Ben Heisler. We'll take a closer look at the gambling perspective of Sunday's game against the New England Patriots. And we'll also take a look at, we got three NFL games tomorrow is Saturday now starts to be a part of the NFL schedule. We'll see what Heist likes in tomorrow's matchups. Keep it right here. It's the drive on 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Download the Odyssey app and listen to The Drive with Carrington wherever you are. Let's head to the phone lines right now to be joined by our guy, Benny Heiss, and get you ready for Sunday's matchup against the New England Patriots. Heiss, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Sid. What's good, dude? I would stay away from the line in this game. Something worries me about the New England Patriots. What worries me? Well, go ahead. No, I, I just, I, I'm curious as to why. I was just going to say, what worries me is not that I think the Patriots are a good team. Kansas City turns the ball over and they can't score. And that is just a recipe to keep games close. And if you're going to give me 10 points to play with with Kansas City, knowing how closely they play teams in the fourth quarter, I would just stay away from it. So in full fairness, I'm at my kid's holiday party. Has the line moved from eight close to 10? Are we at that point already? Let me look it up again. Cause when I saw it earlier, I feel like I saw it at nine and a half, but I could be off here. Okay. So while you're looking for that line, I saw it earlier this week at seven and a half. And I went ahead and teased that with the Rams because I do think Kansas city can cover by a little bit over a touchdown. If we're talking about nine and a half or 10, then yeah, that, that does worry because Kansas city has some issues scoring, but I, I think the stat to remember here, CDOT is neither can the Patriots. And I think especially the, the key for Kansas City, there have been two ways for betters to really take advantage. The first is in the second half unders and fourth quarter unders where Kansas City has gone 12-1 and one this year. Their defense has really stepped up in that portion of the game. And especially if they go into the second half with a lead on the Patriots, it's going to be lights out. And remember this too, uh, every time the Chiefs have given up more than 20 points this year, they're 0 and 5 both straight up and against the spread and every other game they're 8 and 0 straight up 7 and 1 against the spread when they don't. I have a very difficult time envisioning a scenario in which the Patriots get to 20 on this Kansas City defense, especially in light of what the quarterback situation looks like. You're 100% correct, but against that Patriots defense, how many points do you see Kansas City scoring? Because if Kansas City scores 17, which you and I know is not outside the realm of possibility, if you score 17, you leave yourself vulnerable to lose to anybody. That's true. Uh, Total sitting at, what, 37 right now, last time I checked? So if you're talking about KC being you know a nine-point favorite or so, I think the expectation is they can get 217. At least that's what the, the, the books and the odds makers have indicated. Um, I, I just don't trust what the Patriots have to do on offense. And I, I trust Kansas city a little bit more. There's still more playmakers. There's still more explosiveness. Um, there's just not the consistency that one would come to expect, but I, I just look at every sort of scenario for this game and the chiefs in these trends historically with Mahomes have come out firing um, you know, I, there, there's just something weird going on right now with the Patriots, especially if the line is starting to move in Kansas City's direction from just over a touchdown closer to double digits. I think it's a pretty clear indication that even with the amount of times lately that the Chiefs betters have taken a hit, um, they, they buy into what this team is still able to do. And let's also not forget, I can't uh, see that, 
the number one seed is still available for Kansas City. They're plus 300 to win the number one seed. And given what we saw last night from the Chargers, uh, you know, they can still beat the Raiders. I'm not particularly concerned about that game, especially in Arrowhead. But uh, the matchups are very favorable, and there is still something very important to play for for Kansas City. So um, I, I like them here, but I still think, especially if you can get it uh, down past seven and three, this is a very ideal teaser scenario for the Chiefs. This is one of the rare weeks that we have three Saturday games. We have Vikings and Bengals, Steelers and Colts, also Broncos and Lions. What's a line that you like most for tomorrow? I, I like the Steelers as a uh, short road underdogs uh, going to Indianapolis. It, it's This is an ideal spot for, for Pittsburgh. And I know that the Colts right now uh, have put themselves in a position to contend for not just the playoff spot, um, but also uh, a pretty weak AFC South division. Uh, they've not been a good home team, ironically enough. This is an area where they've struggled. Pittsburgh has actually been much better uh, on the road, in particular in covering the spread. And also remember, Mike Tomlin is one of the few NFL coaches in history, not just to be above 70% in covering the spread as an underdog, but he's right around 500 in winning outright as an underdog. Given what we've seen from Pittsburgh in just two terrible losses the last few weeks, I expect them to come out ready to play, and we've already seen a little bit of movement more towards them. Even though they opened a short road underdogs, I I like them to win outright this week against Indianapolis. I'll get you out of here with this. Give me one prop bet that you like for Chiefs and Patriots. Ooh, probably. I I keep wanting to go back to the the Jarek McKinnon bandwagon. I I just have a difficult time doing so. Um, I'll, I'll go with... I'll go with Rasheed Rice to, to find himself in the end zone. Um, they just the, the targets are consistently there. Uh, the numbers continue to get more and more impressive each week. Um, it, I still think that there's value on the board just because nobody trusts this offense in general, but the targets are there, depth of target is there, and the red zone looks are there as well. So give me with Rasheed Rice to find himself into the end zone this week. That is our guy, Benny Heist, joining us on the show today. All right, Benny, we appreciate you. Appreciate it to see that. Be good. Absolutely. It's our guy, Benny Heist, joining us on the show today. I want to read this story to you guys really quickly, and we'll get back to the Chiefs momentarily. You guys obviously know that Shohei Otani has signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Jeff Passan of ESPN wrote a story that talks more in-depthly about the Shohei sweepstakes and how the Dodgers landed him. So back in 2017... The Los Angeles Dodgers had Kobe Bryant film a video to try to get Shohei to come play for the team. They obviously never showed it to Shohei. They have had this video for six years. They have kept it. So reading the story, back on the first day of December, the Dodgers showed this video to Shohei. Back in 2017, Kobe Bryant had filmed a clip as a favor to the team. Now more than three years after his death in a tragic helicopter crash, Kobe's reputation as the ultimate competitor spans all sports and his message to Otani registered the same in 2023 as it would have been. There's no better place in the world to win than Los Angeles, and there's no better team in baseball to do that with than the Dodgers. Shohei told ESPN, quote, it was one of the highlights of the whole meeting. I was really surprised to see it. It was a strong and personal and touching message. I mean, I get it. I get it. I can't, you know, I'm not saying that the $700 million wasn't great, but when you start talking about that level of money, you were going to be paid wherever you went. I get it. 
you see the success that they've had on and off the field. You see the reputation, the brand. They tell you what they can do for you as a person, as a player, and elevating everything that you're doing. And they take you in a room and they sit you down and they show you Kobe Bryant talking specifically to you, telling you to join that team. I get it, man. <laughs> I get it. I understand. Shohei, you don't got to explain anything to me. You do not have to explain a thing. I get it. The fact that the Dodgers have had this for six years and have been sitting on it and just waiting for the right moment to show it to Shohei Otani, it just lets you know some teams are playing chess and the other teams are playing checkers. I mean, there are a lot of problems about the Dodgers situation And I know you guys hate my NBA comparisons, but like one of the reasons that the NBA works in a way that I don't know if many of you give them credit for, and that's perfectly fine. All the small market teams in the NBA are on the same page. Like Oklahoma City and Charlotte are on the same page. Hey, if we don't work together, our league is going to be dominated by five cities. And that's not what is in our best interest. So we need to figure out a way to... If we get a John Moran or we get a Giannis or we get a Nikola Jokic, we need to figure out a way that we can keep them because we can lose that player. The fact that all the small market teams in baseball have not banded together to stop what clearly seems unfair. How can the Dodgers sign a player to a contract in which they only have to pay him 20 million out of the 700 million And then the rest of the money they get is an interest-free loan whenever his career with them is over that is purposely to navigate the rules that they have and allow them to continue to spend money freely. How is this a system that the Royals and the Padres and the Twins and all of those teams have signed up for? It's it's a it's a good question. And the rich keep getting richer because reportedly the Dodgers are trading for Tyler Glass now, you know, just one of the best pitchers in the AL from the Tampa Bay Rays. So, you know, this is a, this is a, once again, a superstar team and the Dodgers are going to continue to dominate the West, the NL West. And I, when I heard the reports coming out initially that Shohei's contract was going to be backloaded as to sort of help the team win. Now I figured that eventually his contract was just going to inflate to where he's just getting huge chunks of money late in his career. But then I heard that they're only going to pay him 2 million a year. And then the rest of the money is just going to show up whenever that's insane. I cannot, I, I was baffled flabbergasted when I heard that that's how the contract was working out. I mean, the NFL works for a lot of different reasons, but it also works because everyone is on the same page. It it doesn't matter if you are Jacksonville. It doesn't matter if you are Green Bay. It doesn't matter if you're the Cowboys. Hey, we have a television deal that all of us are going to split 32 ways. We have a salary cap that all of us, you are required to spend a certain amount of money. And you also can't spend more than this amount of money, which keeps the league balanced and fair. You have a system in baseball that when free agents hit, there's a basically a class system where you know a player like Shohei Otani, he's not viable for every team. You might hate the system in the NBA, but when LeBron is a free agent, the Lakers can offer him the same amount of money that the Oklahoma City Thunder can. Now, it is your personal choice 
on if you want to sign with that team, it should be because that's what free agency is. But how the small market teams have not come together to stop a system that is clearly not in their favor in any way. The NBA keeps all the teams kind of banded together. The NFL keeps teams banded together. I don't know enough about hockey to tell you what the financial setup is. I know that baseball setup is, is broken. And if they got a system in which you don't have to pay the player while he's playing in order to circumvent whatever your year to year budget is to allow you to add more talent. I just don't know how you think you close the gap between the haves and the have nots. It's like you give one team more scholarship limits than the other team. Well, then how can you compete on a week by week basis? It just not, it just doesn't make sense. Hockey also has a salary cap league. They are also a salary cap driven league. So baseball is really the biggest exception here. This makes absolutely no sense. Coming up on the other side, we'll talk about the top story of the day, which is not the Kansas City Chiefs. Keep it right here. It's the drive. Your home for Chiefs football in Kansas City is 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Let's talk about the Kansas City Royals. Let's talk about the Royals because they deserve it. I think this is one of the best days that they have had as an organization in quite some time. The Royals, they've been active. They went out and they got Will Smith, Big Willie style, all in it, getting jiggy with it. They got Hunter Renfro, who could maybe catch seven passes or maybe hit two home runs. Who knows? They got Hunter Renfro. Michael Waka, that was the big signing today. They signed him to a two-year, $32 million deal. They got Seth Lugo a couple of days ago. We asked Josh Vernier about it to get his thoughts on Seth Lugo. I'll play that here for you coming up in a little bit to let you know what Vern thought about Seth Lugo. We also saw the Royals sign Chris Stratton to a deal. Also, Garrett Hampson, he's a utility player. They have committed themselves this season to adding $47 million to their payroll. If you add up all of those names, they have committed to paying out over $100 million in free agency over the next three seasons. I am here for the Royals being big spenders. They have been one of the more aggressive teams in baseball when it comes to free agency. Here is Vern talking about one of their major additions in Seth Lugo. Uh, Righty, nice hook. Uh, third, he'll be 30 or he just turned 34. So you give him for you, get him for your uh, age 34, 35, 36 season. He uh, came up, debuted with the Mets, was with the Mets for a number of years, uh, signed a two year deal with the Padres last year, two years for 15 million total. Uh, but for the first time in his career, he went out there and proved that he can be a starting pitcher, made 26 starts, 140 plus innings, uh, uh, more than a dozen quality starts. So he took the ball uh, in, a, in a very disappointing season for the Padres. He, w- in the, you know, Along with Blake Snell, uh, he was able to be somewhat of a stabilizing figure. Um, but again, he had someone like Blake Snell and, and other big names to kind of lead that rotation. He could slot into the number three, number four uh, in that rotation. But he, he proved that he was able to be a starting pitcher. So instead of going back and making $7.5 million, he opted out. And instead of making $15 million over two years, he's getting $15 million every single season. But again, that, that's the going rate. That's what Vern had to say about Seth Lugo. Vern was on the show earlier today. If you want to check that out, check out the podcast page, sixcentsports.com. Also on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast from. I am just happy to feel like the Royals are trying. 
I think in a lot of ways, baseball free agency is probably the closest to college recruiting that we have. Like, you got to be realistic about the kind of recruits that you are going to get if you are Kansas or Kansas State. And that's not to say that you can't get an Avery Johnson or a high-level recruit, but you're not Ohio State. You're not Georgia. Like, there are certain kids that they are not considering going to your school. That's kind of how baseball free agency is, right? Like, you know whenever Bryce Harper is a free agent, you maybe just shouldn't waste your time. Their agent is not talking to you. The Royals didn't have many conversations about Shohei Otani. You know that. You got to stay in your financial lane. That's what the Royals did. This should be their financial lane. Deals that are between 5 and $20 million a season, those should be contracts that you should be in the business of signing. You sign Seth Lugo to $15 million. You sign Michael Waka to $16 million on two, three-year deals that you are never underneath it if something goes terribly wrong. And if it goes really poorly, because there's player options attached to it, they're very flexible contracts that you can trade. The Royals have not committed to something that if it goes poorly, you can't get out from under. But you also have invested in your team. You have addressed clear needs, and you are now moving forward. I think every person that cheers for the Kansas City Royals can celebrate that. This team was never going to go out there and maybe make that splash in free agency. If you're going to acquire that player, you're either going to draft that player the way they did with Bobby Witt Jr., or you're going to have to trade prospects early on to go get that guy from another team the way that they did with James Shields. But for the most part, the Royals needed to get back on the right path because I can't go all the way back in the time machine But in 2016 and 2017, it was, hey, you know what, man? I know they're going to be down for the next couple of years, and that is the cost of winning the World Series, and I can accept that. I think we all knew that that was the fee. But, man, you know what, man? Around 2019, 2020, this team's going to be back on the right track. Well, 2020 came. All right, COVID happened. I get that. All right, 2021, this is going to be the year. All right, that wasn't the year. All right, you know what? Give us two seasons. I, I, I saw the 2023 season. It went really poorly. The Royals had to invest in the here and now in guys that can instantly step into that rotation, instantly step into that bullpen, instantly insert themselves in the lineup and give you a reason to go out to the stadium. I think they did that. I think that they've done a pretty good job at not only just saying, hey, when that Quote was going around about the $30 million. As a beaten down Royals fan, I just assumed it was going to be, ah, we'll get to like 25, get close to 30. But they've really blown that out of proportion. I I mean, they've really gone out. And even after the Lugo signing was done, I was like, okay, you got your one starting pitcher. We'll see what you do from there. I thought they were going to depend on some of the other guys. And then they come out and they sign yet another starting pitcher. So it's not even like... They've made one big move and one day and called it good. Like, I feel like maybe past teams, past Royals teams would have. They would have made one big signing and they'd have said, like, this is the guy moving forward. They've done multiple things and addressed multiple problems on this team. And I think that that really shows that they are looking for, hey, we feel like we have some good core young guys all around the diamond. We know we needed pitching. Here's the guys. Let's see what we're going forward from here. What's that saying that you undersell and over-deliver? That's what they did in that press conference with J.J. Piccola. Because 100%. I, I 100%. I'm, I'm with you from the Royals that you and I know would have only got Seth Lugo. 
The Royals that you and I know wouldn't have got Seth Lugo and Michael Walker. They would have got one of the two, and that would have been their big addition that they had made for the offseason, and they probably would have left it alone, and they wouldn't have went that extra mile. So I'm happy that they went out there and they identified. It is clear that they made a list. They made a list of a couple position players that they were interested, and their name was just popped up and tied to too many players. And everybody kept saying the Royals were very active in the winter meetings and that the Royals really wanted to come away with two starting pitchers. They got two starting pitchers. And now going into next season, you feel really good about four. You feel really good about Brady Singer and Cole Reagans. You obviously signed two with Lugo and Michael Waka. If you got four reliable starting pitchers heading into the season – and probably six or seven guys that you feel good about in your offense, that's a team that can go out there and be competitive next year, especially in a division that is not daunting. We're not talking about this being the NL West that you got a couple of juggernauts that you're going to have to go through. I mean, if you're a team that could win 77, 78 games, who knows where that can potentially take you in this division and how far away you are from actually being able to contend and how you can actually go out and compete. I think today is a very happy day. Today is one of the best days that the Royals have had in maybe five years. The Royals showed you a commitment to building a better product on the field. I don't know how you can be mad at that. I don't think I have ever heard aggressive and in, in the winter meetings listened to as like part of what the Royals have done. I don't think I've ever heard the Royals be we're aggressively doing this during the winter meetings. I mean, usually there's some, there's some stuff like right after, right before the season starts, like with the Aroldis Chapman, right? Kansas city will sometimes go out and spend a few million dollars to go and get somebody to fill in a bullpen spot, or maybe they need a backup catcher and they'll quote aggressively go after someone there. But in terms of aggressively going after not just one starting pitcher, but two starting pitchers, a bullpen arm and a corner outfielder. I, I don't understand how any Royals fan realistically can say that this has been a bad offseason moving forward. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to be joined in studio by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. We also are going to do Beers with Bank. That is coming up in the 5 o'clock hour today. We'll talk a lot of Chiefs the rest of the way. I know that you guys are going to call me negative for this, but I assure you I'm not being negative. I'm simply just relaying what I think are the facts. For the last five years... We have believed in Kansas City that at some point Andy is going to have the Colts game. You guys know the one that I'm talking about. Last year when the Colts were one of the five worst teams in the league, the Chiefs went out there and lost to one of those teams last season. That Colts team was not good in any capacity, and the Chiefs played down to their level of competition and put themselves in a spot where one penalty, one bad call, one turnover was the reason that you lost that game. The Chiefs scored 17 points in that game against the Colts. That puts you in a position where you can lose to any team in the National Football League. I'm looking this year. The Chiefs don't have a Colts loss like last season. The Lions certainly don't fit that criteria. Maybe you want to say Denver, but Denver is currently over 500. And I think we noticed when the Broncos beat them that the Broncos were turning the corner. You certainly wouldn't say that about Philadelphia on the road against Green Bay or where the Buffaloes currently are or where, where the Bills currently are. So I am not saying that they are going to lose this game, but I have heard a lot of overconfidence about the Chiefs and the fact that they're playing backup quarterbacks the rest of the way. I looked this up. 
23 out of the 32 teams in the National Football League this season have lost a game to a team that was playing a backup quarterback. The Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Jets earlier in the season. The San Francisco 49ers lost to the Cleveland Browns earlier this season when P.J. Walker was their starting quarterback. Both of these games were on the road. I am not picking the Chiefs to lose this game. I am not that bold. It is obvious that the Chiefs are a far better team than the New England Patriots. But this offense, to me, hasn't been explosive enough, hasn't been dynamic enough for me to go into a game and feel any sense of arrogance against a team that I think is good defensively. If they were playing Carolina, it'd be a completely different story. There are some other teams in this league that I think have given up. I don't think the Patriots have given up. The Patriots obviously have their problems. They can't score consistently. And if you can't score consistently in the league, you obviously can lose to anybody. I am a little bit worried about this game. Like I would put my worry on a scale from one to 10 at like a five and a half. And not much of it is related to New England and the kind of team that I think they are. My worry is related to Kansas City and where they are offensively. And for an offense that commits penalties at the absolute worst time, for an offense that turns the ball over one to two times every single game, and for a team that has the characteristic of playing down to its competition, this ain't the Chiefs team that can just go out there and just hang a 30, and we're talking about a 30-17, and you're happy with it. The Chiefs usually, we talk about them and their C-plus game is enough to go out there and beat any team in the National Football League. I think we've seen a lot of C-plus games over the course of the last six to seven weeks from the Chiefs, and that hasn't been good enough to just roll the ball out there. That wasn't good enough against the Broncos. That wasn't good enough against Philadelphia. They needed a defensive touchdown to beat the Miami Dolphins back in early November. They lost to Green Bay because of a couple mistakes in the Buffalo Bills. So I want to be clear. I am picking the Chiefs to win this game, but... In a league in which weird things have happened and weird results, the Chiefs have just not played consistently enough for me to automatically put all four of these games in the win column. One of these three games, and I'm putting the game against the Bengals in a different category because the Bengals might actually still be a good team even without having their starting quarterback. The Patriots don't have a lot to play for. The Raiders don't have a lot to play for. And the Chargers also don't have a lot to play for. Three of their four next games are against teams that have no chance of making the postseason. One of those games are going to be close, not because the other team is playing well, but because Kansas City hasn't shown that they can play consistently at a high level. I don't know what the Chiefs' A game looks like. We haven't seen that happen a whole lot. Can they start to play with that momentum and can they start to play their best football at the right time of the year? Because the AFC is prime for it. There's one good team in the AFC and that's Baltimore. If any one of these teams, Miami, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Cleveland, if any of these teams start playing good or start playing well down the stretch, you can go on a run and get to the AFC championship game or even better. I just like to add some context and expand on what you're talking about with the Patriots. So before they played the Steelers, They had three games in a row where they had allowed 10 or less points and lost all three of them. They gave up 10 to the Colts. They gave up 10 to the Giants, and they gave up six to the Chargers. It's the first time since the 30s, since like before the forward pass was a thing, that a team had allowed 10 or less points and had lost all three of those games. This is a good defense. This defense has started to figure it out and is starting to turn it around. And I think you're absolutely right with how 
poorly the Chiefs offense has looked where they just continue to spin their wheels, whether that's because of turnovers or penalties or just not being able to be on the same page as your wide receiver. This offense continues to struggle, and I'm with you. I don't think that this game is going to be a blowout. I do think that if Kansas City crosses the 20-point threshold, they can win this game, no problem. I think they win the game if they score more than 20 points. Exactly, but I think that this game is going to be close and a little uncomfortable for Chiefs fans. Not necessarily enough to where you think at any point they're going to lose this game, but you're going to be using the edge of your seat a lot more than you think you should. No, I'm with you. And against a team like the Patriots, who is going to pick in the top five, that's just not a feeling that you want to have at this point in the season. It's a little bit different if we were talking about a week five game and, hey, you went out there and you know what, you kind of sleptwalk through that game, but that game got you to four and one. You know, you just survive in advance. You just move on. At this point, it's not just about winning these next four games. You're going to be favored, I would say, by a touchdown or greater in each of these next four games. It's about playing with some momentum. It's about looking like a Super Bowl contending team. We talk a lot about whether or not this team can win the Super Bowl. I'm still on the side of they can win the Super Bowl. Well, at some point to win it, you got to start playing like a contender. Dallas plays like a contender. Baltimore plays like a contender. San Francisco plays like a contender. There's probably going to be one, maybe two other teams that play like that over the final month of the season. It would be great if we looked at Kansas City and we didn't just call them a contender. They actually went out on the field and looked like a contender. Buffalo, for example, Buffalo would roll a couple of these teams. Buffalo would roll a couple of these teams, especially at home. Buffalo would roll the Raiders at home, and they would probably handle the Los Angeles Chargers. I just want to see the Chiefs play with that energy over the final month of the season. Do you think, what would you have to see from this game, sort of in a vacuum, for you to feel like this is a quote-unquote contender kind of game from the Chiefs on an offense and defensive side of things? What would you want to see? Score more than 27 points. Is that it? That's it. I mean, I don't look at New England as a team that's going to be able to do a lot offensively. Right. Like, New England is a team that needs help in order for you to beat them. Like, they need you to turn the ball over. They need a defensive touchdown. They need a penalty that wipes one of your touchdowns off the board. Like, the Chargers, excuse me, the Patriots are not a good enough team to beat you. Kansas City this season, they have certainly aided in their own losses. They should have beat the Lions earlier this season. They probably should have beat Buffalo last week. They should have beat the Packers a couple of weeks ago. I don't think New England can beat Kansas City. I think Kansas City could play at a level and make one or two costly mistakes down the stretch that put them in a scenario in which they could lose to the New England Patriots. Yeah, I think that it's easy to see how going up against teams like Bills, Eagles, the Lions early in the year, you could sort of see how Kansas City, you know, would lose these games. Just looking at the Patriots as they are, it's really hard for me to see how Kansas City loses this game unless it's just like like the Broncos game, right? I think something like that has to happen for this game to go really, really bad for Kansas City where you're turning the ball over and you're not just turning the ball over, but you're turning the ball over in the red zone for the other team and you're just giving them a ton of opportunities and we've seen it happen. So it is totally possible that it would that it can happen, but I do think that it's going to have to take a lot for the Patriots to go in and score a lot on this defense because weirdly enough, the defenses are the best parts of both of these teams heading into this game. 
Coming up on the other side, we'll be joined in studio by Nate Taylor of The Athletic, the Chiefs beat writer covering the team. We'll talk to him about when we expect Isaiah Pacheco to come back. We'll get his thoughts on last week against the Buffalo Bills and all of the fallout from that. I also expect that we'll hear what the decision is regarding Patrick Mahomes at some time in the next 24 hours and Andy Reid if they're going to be fine for their comments after the game. We'll talk about that with Nate Taylor, all of that coming up on the other side. Keep it right here. It's The Drive on 6th and Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 